0: Lord, we go into a new year not seeking gifts or blessings, but seeking you. Draw us close to you, Lord. Lord, so in those times when we have nothing, we have you. And you are our everything. Lord, may this be true of your people today. Lord, help us to lay aside the weights and things that have trapped us, the idols that we may have erected in our lives. Help us to cast those off and realize that you are the only treasure, you're the only truth that we need. I pray for your people this morning. I don't know what 2023 was like for them, but I thank you, Lord, that you were there with us then. And you are here in 2024 with us right now. So bless your people this morning. And for those who share, Lord, let this be an encouragement to the body of how you move in and among your people. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise. And that's in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you, worship team. Well, good morning, church, and Happy New Year. I'm so glad to see all of your wonderful faces. And as Tristan mentioned, today is in fact, Testimony Sunday. So I'm not preaching today, And actually, I'm not leading this time either, but let me just open this up briefly, Testimony Sunday. And for those of you who are new, this is something that we've been doing for several years where it's important to hear from the body what God has been doing in the past year and things that we're also looking forward to. And so, this is a time, and, and there might be some nervousness, but we encourage you to share what God is doing because that builds up the body. Uh, someone might be here and willing to maybe just about to let go, but maybe your testimony uh, uh, can cause them to hold on just a little bit longer. And so, this is why we need to share together. And so, Without further ado, one thing that we want to recognize as a church is, is those in our church who have different ministry giftings and callings. And so I will not be leading us today, actually, our very own. Uh, Bobby Joe Barclay, our director of Ministry Operations, will be leading this time. so she will come up and share some of her story, and she will guide us through this testimony service. So without further ado, I want to welcome Bobby Joe, and will you welcome her as well? She comes.
1: good morning church family <laughs> it is so good to be up here and to see all of your faces out here before i get started i wanted to say well this is a beautiful opportunity to hear from one another i know it can also be hard hearing people's stories can bring things up in our own hearts from our own stories whether it's relatable Or it's a negative emotion maybe we want to avoid a little bit right now. Or maybe you'll notice something in your body. Are you clenching your fist as people share? Are you tapping and shaking your foot a little bit? Are you, you know clenching your jaw. Just pay attention to how you receive this yourself. What are you thinking and feeling? And then know that if anything ever gets too heavy for you, as I share, or if anyone else shares, you can always take a breather, go listen in the fellowship hall, take a walk around the church. This is a space for you as well. Now before I get started, I will also say I am breaking the rules a little bit. I am not just focusing on 2023, we will get there. Um, But part of this is because I'm a newer staff, I always want to take this opportunity for you all to get to know me a bit more and a bit of my story. So I will say I did not and do not have an easy life. I'm 25, I've been diagnosed with complex PTSD and two anxiety disorders. I have lived in 20 places. I went to three middle schools and two high schools, and I did not grow up in a Christian home. My uncle went to prison when I was nine, and my parents got divorced when I was 11. My dad is an alcoholic, and he spent many years of my childhood in and out of jail with DUIs. On my 13th birthday, he dropped off a Dairy Queen cake and then left to go to a bar, leaving me with my sister, who has intellectual disabilities, so I would blow out my candles alone with her. By 16, my relationship with my dad was pretty severed and we didn't talk much. I grew up in poverty with lots of housing insecurity and poverty and I was also a free reduced lunch kid. By 17, my mom started making jokes to me about how for my 18th birthday, All I was going to get is $20 in a suitcase because I was going to be on my own. Little did I know that was not a joke. When I went off to college, she moved to Arizona saying, good luck, hope you can figure things out on your own. Now, that was hard. That was really hard. Throughout college, I couch surfed and experienced homelessness. And I was desperate for love and a place of belonging, to find my place, to find people, My family called me the black sheep, and I didn't have many friends because I was the perpetual new kid in school. How do I make friends in that situation? Now, all of that sets up my relationship with God and where He entered into my story. So during my junior year of high school, I met God. Again, I was so desperate for a place of belonging, and I got to find a Father, a Heavenly Father in God. And I also started healing. I started going to therapy in high school, and between that and my faith, it was really a space for healing. Now, the first church I went to was a small evangelical free church uh, up in northern Minnesota, and a friend introduced me to the church. At that time, I thought being a Christian just meant, cool, I will show up to church on Sunday. That's it, right? I had no idea what it meant to have a heart transformation or to live out my faith. I really was just like, cool, I checked the box, I go to church on Sunday. Um, but that also is what propelled me to go to a small Christian college in Minnesota. I wanted to be around other Christians, especially because my family was not fond of my new faith. I wanted to figure out who God was, what it meant to be a Christian. I Wanted to be able to ask questions, be pastored, And so I was really thankful to go to this school. However, I also had to pay for it. And college is expensive, especially when you choose a small private Christian college. Maybe that wasn't the smartest choice when I knew I had to pay for college, but that was really where God started providing. Well, the paycheck or the check for the school was 50-ish thousand dollars a year. I got to find a way to make that work. And that literally is a miracle. And I should not be where I'm at today without God. But I went to that school and I had to work 50 hours a week over the summer. I worked at a bar and would work bar clothes so that I could make tip money. I would work all throughout the school year way more than most students, especially uh, at a small Christian school where it was predominantly white, affluent, students who grew up in their faith, a lot of legacy families. I would say it's a lot like a pretty similar school to Wheaton College, which I now go to we'll get there. But I also think I started out as a naive Christian. I think I started with this idea that all Christians are good people, that we're all on the same page just because, well, we're Christian. That means we're good, right? But that came collapsing down because by the time I finished my first semester of college, I was sexually assaulted by a college student at school. He was going to school to be a youth pastor, which is Terrifying, and unfortunately, that school didn't do anything to help me. When I confronted and talked to my RD, she reminded me of the school covenant I signed saying I wouldn't have sex and threatened expulsion. Now, going to college was my way out. It was my way out of poverty. It was me trying to confront family trauma. So I think I spent the rest of my college years in anger and denial about what had happened, and also some isolation. Many trauma responses came out, but I didn't turn away from my faith. Surprisingly, and that is by grace, God's grace alone. At the same time, my family and I decided to part ways. Not only did my mom move to Arizona, but the rest were just like, good luck. You're very different than us. You are the black sheep of the family, so we don't really want a relationship. And I also did the same to others because, well, I didn't feel like my family but I wasn't alone as much as I felt like it. In that darkness and in that loneliness, God truly provided a family that even if I didn't share blood with them, they were my family. To name a few, because they are so important and still important parts of my life, I ended up with spiritual parents, Todd and Kay, who I lived with for a while, who supported me along the way, prayed for me. Uh, They are still very important to me, as well as my pastor, Her name is Laurel Bunker, and she was a mentor, and she worked in the campus ministries office, and so I spent lots of time in her office. And the last is Chris and Bobby, who were John and I's actual premarital counselors, and they are still very active in our lives, and actually came to visit uh, just a couple weeks ago. So, like I said, I was paying for this very expensive school on my own, and then The summer before my junior year, I got into a horrible car accident. When the paramedic approached my car, she said, you know, I'm surprised you're alive, and you shouldn't be. That really made me wrestle with, what does it mean to be alive? How do I live my life? It also meant I couldn't work that entire summer, which went to a spiral of how am I going to pay for school that I have to pay for on my own when I can't work this whole summer, have to heal, I also didn't have a home at the time. So now I have my shoulder and a shoulder immobilizer, I can't bathe myself, I can't do anything, so where am I gonna live? Thankfully, John and I were dating at the time and his mom is a nurse. And so she invited me to stay at their home and she nursed me back to health and I forever will owe her for that and thank her for that. But it did put me at a dead stop and that was a moment where I really had to rely on God because I had no idea how I was gonna pay for that next school year. I had no idea where I was gonna live. And those were all things God really truly provided for me. And somehow I still paid for the next school year. I still made it. But then during that junior school year of college, I was like, okay, God, I've been praying for years for that stable home environment. Where do I stay? Where is my place? Where do I sleep? Because at every end of the school year when I'd pack up my dorm room, it was that I would pack it up and if it didn't fit in my car, it got thrown away and that was it. So I wanted to feel like I could connect to a place. A friend of mine in college told me, hey, my church, they rent out this old parish house on the church property for free if you clean and you open up on Sundays and close on Wednesday nights and if you're willing to do some snow removal. And I was like, for a free house? I can clean. That's fine. So I got to move into this house. And it was a quirky, 110-year-old house. The floors were at a slant like this. So my bookshelves always looked like they were going to tip over. But this place became my home and my meeting place with God. It was truly one of the biggest blessings God has ever given me. It was a place of healing. It was a place to gather with friends. I even got to invite a, friend, a college friend of mine to live there with me who also had a trauma background. So she got to experience that st- stability as well. But that home was really one of the biggest ways God provided for me. And poor John, when I moved in, had to go around because the house was vacant for two years before I moved in. So poor John was my hero that day because he roamed around killing all these big spiders because I won't do that. I don't. I still don't. Uh, But I also seen that God provided through people in my life because when I got that house, I didn't have furniture. I didn't have plates or pans or anything really I needed. And I had friends who came over to help clean the house, get it ready to move in. I had friends who were willing to donate things. My spiritual parents came over and donated furniture. They have wealthy friends, and so they reached out to all of their friends and were like, hey, do you wanna help out this student? And these are strangers to me. I still don't know who they were, but they gave me hundreds of dollars in Target gift cards to buy what I needed. They get donated nice plates and a, um, a microwave and everything I needed. And again, these were strangers but God was faithful and used these strangers to help me. Now, when COVID hit, I was in my senior year of college, and I was so devastated because I lost out on the last part of my college experience. I didn't get to walk across the stage at graduation, which was devastating knowing that what I had overcome in college, I wanted that to be a testament to God as I walked across that stage, but I didn't get that. I also had to throw away all of my wedding plans Thankfully, I still married my best friend, and we did it in front of just 10 of our most important people, because that was the COVID rule at the time, and we moved here in the middle of the pandemic, and we came here with such high hopes and excitement, but moving in the middle of the pandemic maybe wasn't the smartest choice. Everything was closed. We couldn't get plugged in at a church. We really just were on our own, and we started seminary and also started seminary in a bit of isolation. Now, I graduated from seminary in 2022, and I I was expecting to just hop right into my next program because for some reason I torture myself with more and more degrees, Um, but here we are. I am now getting my second master's, but I was expecting to go right into it, And then I got to the end of seminary and was like, you know what, just kidding. I need a break and I need to heal and I need some rest. So I took a gap year and that was when I started working here as well. Now when I started working at Newcom, it was under harder circumstances. Ruth and Emily had just left and I started during Constance's sabbatical, which we all know she didn't come back and work here after. Now that meant I came in with lots of emotions in our congregation, which I don't blame anyone for, but it was a hard start to working here. But I will say it has been truly an honor to serve this congregation and to walk alongside many of you. It has been a blessing of my life and God has been so faithful to me and guided me through every step of the way in this role. Now my gap year ended in 2023, when I went back to school this fall for my MA in marriage and family therapy, because I want to be able to combine my seminary degree with therapy, and I want to be able to provide those spaces that we talk about emotional health even in the church. Um, But I have learned more in that first semester than I could have ever imagined. I had to confront more trauma. I made tons of new friends in my cohort, one of which who is sitting here in the congregation to support me. And I know that he has been so faithful to get me to that point, to get me to this program that I knew I was called to counseling for a long time, but I needed to get to that point in which I was ready, and that God and I had done enough work to get there. So here I am about to start my next semester tomorrow, and I really can say that God has supported me with my support system, financially, with homes, my amazing husband, and he's guided me in every step of the way. And it's truly a miracle that I am here today, that I am the way that I am today, that I'm still trying to follow God as faithfully as I can, as he sanctifies me and as I work in ministry and work to become a therapist. And so I'm so thankful. Now, as I close out my time giving my testimony, I want the remainder of the service to be open to others to come up and share, about their stories and how they have seen God and experienced God working in their lives, specifically in 2023. How did God move? How did you see him? Now the story you tell doesn't have to be resolved and it doesn't have to be wrapped up in a pretty bow. Maybe there's something from 2023 your prayer hasn't been answered. Maybe you're still waiting for something to happen but it's still a space to share because God is still going to be faithful even if it looks different than what you expect it or maybe it will take longer for that prayer to be answered. Now I'm asking that when you share, you keep it to about three or four minutes. If anyone starts to preach or get too long, I will come up and nudge you gently and be like, all right, come on, wrap it up. But I do want to say it's open for anyone to come up and share. You can just come up here onto the stage and make sure you speak and your mouth is close to the microphone so everyone can hear you. So thank you.
0: We are live.
2: Well, good morning to Newcom. Morning. I, everybody always starts off but when they first came to Newcom. Well, we came here the first time in Easter nine, in 2009 to be with our son Jesse, which that in itself was a miracle that Jesse invited him, us to come to church with him. And that was the first time I ever heard Peter Hong preach, and I still remember the sermon. It was called Jesus the Gardener. It was just down the street here. We've been coming here ever since, and in January, after we moved to Chicago, we've been full-time here since January 21, 2021. I just want to share a short testimony with you. Thirty-something years ago, I was a crisis. Uh, My wife, Sonny had been dragging me to church, and I was like, didn't want to go, but she dragged me to church and said, you're going to go to church with us because our children are going to be raised as Christians. And I got some Christian men in my life, and I'm not ashamed to admit this, but I was a drunk. I was in the Army, I was an officer, and alcohol was my God. And in the summer of 1989, my wife basically gave me an ultimatum. She said, if you don't get your act together, I'm going to take the boys and I'm going to leave. And she said the most amazing thing. She didn't blame me for anything. She said, I can't stand to see you destroy yourself. Well, I didn't know what to do. I was in a crisis. I was afraid. I was scared. I talked it over with my men's group. I was going to the States on a business trip with the Army, and I was sitting at Frankfurt International Airport. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who Jesus Christ was. But one of my friends had given me a scripture from Matthew where Jesus says, Give me your burdens, because my burden is light. And I prayed that, and all of a sudden, something happened to me. And I said, Lord, in my mind, because I was in a crowded waiting room, and I've said this thought in my thoughts, I said, Lord, listen, I've tried my best to quit drinking. I can't do it. I don't know what to do, Lord, I'm scared. I'm afraid. If it's your will that I quit drinking, then you're going to have to do something about it. Well, I'll tell you something. If you don't believe in miracles, that was a miracle. I've been sober ever since. Not only did Jesus deliver me from drunkenness, but he also put an angel around me to keep me from being tempted to take a drink. And I've been working in alcohol recovery off and on for the last 40 years or so. And that's one of the biggest problems all of us have. But let me tell you something about this God that we talk about and we sing about and that we, that we uh, read the Bible about. Let me tell you who he is. He is real. He is in you. He is a deliverer of miracles. He is a deliverer of healing. And I don't care what it is that's going on in your life that you want to get rid of. He's not going to change you, friends. He's going to transform you into the person that He wants you to be. All you have to do And say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you, Lord. I can't do this on my own. And believe me when I tell you that He will do it. Thank you.
3: This is a testimony that's still in process. Um, if you know me, um, you've most likely heard of my sister. Um, so, my sister is eight years older than me, and you know, I've growing up, I saw a lot of just I experienced a lot of secondhand trauma. Um, and growing up as a little girl, she um, kind of fell away from the church pretty early on, and. Um, I think, like, I have memories of crying out to God, um, and just interceding for her to know the Lord, um, and just, like, his overwhelming love, and memories of just praying in Mongolia, praying in Hawaii, in the prayer room at YWAM, um, praying in Amsterdam, um, for her to just encounter just God's healing and love. And um, I think it's something that my mom and I have leaned into like lifting her up for many, many, actually like more than 22 decades. Um, In 2020, she called me up, um, it was during the pandemic. And I, she called me and I remember it was like around 1130 and um, my first instinct was to be scared um, because I remember growing up just her calling in the middle of the night at 1 a.m 2 a.m and just some traumatic incidences um, following those calls um, and so I when I you know when she called me I just like had like a sinking feeling in my gut and just was scared to pick up the phone um, but then like little did I know that she was calling to say that she had encountered the Lord um, and just encountered him deeply. And I think it was a moment in my relationship with her where things kind of pivoted and I just saw her just become a bit more open to him. And, you know, I say it's a process because I think, you know, we're in 2024 right now and she's still um, just... God's gently drawing her closer to him. Um, right now, her none of her community back in Salt Lake knows she's a believer. Um, I think her community is mainly agnostic and atheist and she's a bit of a closet Christian, but um, I was talking to my mom a few days ago and my mom was saying, oh, Jenny told me that she, this year for her like just like New Year's resolution, she wants to, one, love God more and two, love herself more. And so, you know, I say this testimony is a process because sometimes intercession, we don't see the results right away. Um, it takes, it may take years, it may take decades, but if there is someone in your life that may not know the Lord, um, I would just beseech you and encourage you to continue praying for them, continue asking God to show his heart um, for that person to you so that you can lean into um, that opportunity to lift that person up. But yeah, I really believe that like God's gonna move in big ways in my sister. Like I already know, like, like with all my heart, that she like, like all the trauma that she's been through and everything that has like shaped her up to this point, the Lord is preparing her for something so beautiful. And so I continue to pray and, um, and I just, yeah, I worship Lord, the Lord for what um, he's already done and for how he's going to move um, in the future in her life. Um, yeah, so thanks. <laughs>
4: As you come, if you have uh, testimonies, if you're on this side, we have to just sit here on the front row and if you're on that side, say, thank you.
5: Good morning. So we did a little trick here. We signed up for two slots. So this is a two-part testimony. So we're gonna try to do six minutes instead of three. (laughs) She gets three and I get three. (laughs) I'm Christy. Um, I think many of you know me. I've been at NUCOM for like 15 years now-ish. So we have a a two-part testimony. So um, I'll start. Um, For quite a while, I don't know how long, I've had dreams. We all dream. But I have dreams that I would say feel a little bit like an interruption. And Over the years, um, through some community Bible studies that I've been a part of, I learned from other Christians, in particular other women, uh, to pay attention to the interruption. So what God really started teaching me through the work of the Holy Spirit was when I had these dreams that felt like interruptions, and they were always about people who, maybe I hadn't seen in a while, or hadn't talked to in a while, to begin to pray. So instead of just letting it be like, oh, that was a weird dream, to say this is a prompting to pray for that person or those people. And I did that for a long time. Uh, And then, um, I don't know, maybe because I was practicing listening uh, to God in the work of the Holy Spirit, the prompting became... Sometimes you have to tell those people, whoever you dreamed about, you're praying for them. And sometimes you even have to tell them the dream that you had. Sounds simple enough, doesn't it? Um, remember I said the dreams felt like interruptions. So uh, sometime in the fallish of 2023, I had a dream about Kara and Sean. Um, And it felt very much like an interruption. To be clear, this might make you think that we know each other really, really well and that we talk to each other all the time. That's actually not the case. We do have connections. Um, Until this moment, I didn't even have her phone number. So I want that to be clear because I think that's an important part of this testimony. in the dream, we were getting ready for something at church. It wasn't at church, but something newcom related. We were setting up, it was like a big fancy dinner. And I was setting a place for their daughter. And um, one of them came to me and said, Oh, she's missing, so you don't need to set a place for her. Now, before you let me stop you, before your mind goes where your mind is going, do not go and ask them if they're pregnant or have a daughter, okay? That's not what this is about. So just stop there, don't do that. And my reaction was, in my head I'm thinking, like, well why are we here setting up for this party? Your daughter is missing. I didn't have the chance to say it out loud because people were coming in, but I remember their continence was like, it was resolved that she was missing and there wasn't much to be done in that moment so they had to continue to do the work that God had called them to do which in that moment was setting up for this fancy church dinner. Party goes on afterwards we talk and that's what it was there was this resolve that we've done what we can. She's missing. So I wake up and Tim is already getting ready for work and I was like I just had this crazy dream. And I start telling him about the dream and I am sobbing, interruption, are you okay? No, I'm not okay. So we pray, we prayed for them. Um, We didn't know what we were praying about or what this thing was with the daughter and um, we just prayed. That morning we prayed. Now remember I told you the next part that God had been prompting me that sometimes I need to tell the people we prayed about or that I prayed about. Sometimes I even have to tell the dream. So for about two weeks I fought with God about telling them about this dream because I did not want to go and tell them about a daughter who I know they didn't have and I didn't know what was going on with them and that felt pretty invasive and personal and I am not going to go and talk to them about this dream where they have a daughter who is missing. Well. God won, and one Sunday morning I got here and I saw them both at the same time, and I was like, shoot, I really have to tell them. <laughs> uh, and so I went up to Chong, and I was like, I got to talk to you after church. Can you... Actually, there was a meeting. Can we talk just for a little bit after the meeting? I need to tell you something. <sighs> so uh, I said to them, and this is important because I think um, there's things to pay attention to here. And I said, what I want you to hear more than anything else when I tell you this dream is that we had a morning a couple of weeks ago where we prayed for you. And I was weeping, and I don't know why I was weeping, and I don't know what this is about. But what I want you to hear more than anything else is that we prayed for you. And you can tell me the rest is crazy and that I'm offending you or whatever, but I just want you to know that we prayed for you. So I told them the dream. Um, and I remember her reaction was, I don't know why I wasn't worried that my daughter was missing, <laughs> uh, and I will let her go from there.
6: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Chrissy told us this dream, and it made me emotional, because she was crying, I was crying, and I think just to be told that someone has been praying for you is kind of out of the blue, was kind of moving, so. Um, but then also, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh my god, am I pregnant? <laughs> I was like, is this a sign? What's happening, we having a baby girl? Um, so she told us to dream that Sunday morning at church and then um, that same night, it was like around like uh, like 10 or 11 p.m., um, we had a few newcom friends over at our place and we were all in um, our basement hanging out. Um, I mean, this is a much longer story, but basically we heard some noises upstairs. There was someone else upstairs. Um, and so we kind of heard some footsteps upstairs and we ran up and kind of sounded like someone was in our home um, and we didn't know, so we just kind of started calling out and no one was answering, and then Shang tried to open our pantry and we found out someone was inside our pantry holding it closed. Um, And so we kind of forced the door open and found a young kind of teenage girl that had ran away from home. And she quickly told us that, um, yeah, that she had ran away, that she had autism, and that she had just been discharged from the hospital, and her parents were trying to take her back, and she didn't want to go, and so she ran away. Um, And so from there, I mean, we sat her down, um, and of course, we're all kind of freaking out a little bit, but um, we sat her down, and... um, Just learned more that um, about her, and and came to find out because my first thought was, you know, is she safe? Is there an issue at home? But found out that you know she had a good family. She just didn't want to go back to the hospital, so she ran away. Um, And so from there, we kind of took action and called different hotlines. um, But then eventually, ended up having to call the police, and they came to our house. And um, one of the officers actually recognized her. So apparently, I think this had happened before. She'd been involved in different crises before, and so. Um, so we kind of took some time to have a game plan but um, but I think in the meantime um, it was so Janet Julian and Valerie were at our place and everyone was kind of I'm so grateful that they were there honestly if it was just the two of us I think it would have been much scarier but feeling like you know we had our community with us to kind of sit and even just like pray and engage with her while we were kind of waiting to figure out what happened uh, what would happen and so um, Eventually, she was reunited with her parents, and um, everything went smoothly. but as we were kind of sitting, you know after everyone had left, we were kind of sitting in our living room and um, just processing and praying, I think Sean was like, "Oh my gosh, like do you remember the dream that Christy had this morning that she like told us about?" And I think it was just like this full like just chills of you know thinking about a missing daughter and like the the dream being about a missing daughter and then um, you know, the young girl that we found being a missing daughter as well, and I think also just, um, you know, throughout the time, you know, as intense as it was, was there was still like a sense of peace. Um, we weren't, there, was any, there wasn't any point where I was like fully in crisis or anything, but it, there really was this sense of peace, like it's going to be okay, we'll figure this out, and and I really do feel like that is due to um, Tim and Christy praying for us, even two weeks ago. Um, and and I think just that being a testament to the Holy Spirit's work behind the scenes, the fact that she'd had this dream like two weeks ago, um, and then chose to tell us that day, and then all those events occurring that same day, um, it just was, it was really mind-blowing, and just again, a testament to our God, and just the incredible work and also just protection. I think there was an element of, you know, just it could have been a much worse situation. You know, if she had gone into a different home, I know a different outcome could have happened. That could have been far worse. And so knowing that she was protected even just by coming to her home and yeah, just that the Lord's hand was present in all of it was, um, yeah, so incredible, so yeah.
5: The last thing that we wanted to add is this all happened during the sermon series that we were in the midst of, which was the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And after that, we did spiritual disciplines. And so we actually talked about that a little bit. Uh, We shared all these voice notes about the story back and forth. And I was like, one of them, I think I said to you, boy, you know, if I didn't believe in Jesus, I would think we were crazy. (laughs) Um, But it wasn't crazy. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, And it was such an affirmation for all of us of that. Um,
1: Thank you, Christy, for listening to the Spirit and for praying. And I know she's not the only member of this congregation who has prayed over someone else here. So thank you for all of the prayer you pour out to each other and the community we've built here. Thank you, Christy.
7: Hi, I'm Lyra. I'm very short, sorry. Um, So uh, in February of 2023, I got diagnosed with my second instance of mouth cancer. It was really devastating because it, I'd had it before, and I just thought I was in the clear. And so um, I went in for surgery, and we, our hope was that I just had surgery and it would be done. But um, it takes a couple days when you have surgery to do some lab work and on the stuff they took out. And so unfortunately, a couple days later, they told me I have to have a second surgery uh, that would be more invasive. And so I went back in and then found out that I had to have six weeks of radiation therapy as well. Um, So this is a really long, drawn out process. You basically have surgery, then you wait and try to recover for like a few, uh, like five to six weeks, and then you have six weeks of radiation therapy, and then uh, there's more checkups after that. But um, I just wanna recognize that like, um, thankfully I'm healed, I'm in remission now. Um, But it's it's also hard for me to say that because I know some people are still struggling with illness and some people we've lost to illness. Um, So it's hard for me to rejoice that I'm okay. Um, But I also just want to say thank you um, to our congregation and to many people that I don't even know who were praying for me. And so as we talk about, Bobby Joe talked about the prayer and um, the work of the Holy Spirit and people who are just, just pray and they believe that things are going to happen. Um, I, I'll be honest, I couldn't pray when I was going through all that, it was so hard. I was just struggling to survive, I literally um, couldn't eat and my poor family you know, would have meals, and they felt guilty eating because I couldn't eat at all. Um, it's so hard to watch your kids want to like hide and like eat some dessert because they feel bad that mommy can't eat it. Um, it's so. Thank you for those of you that prayed for our family and carried us through that time that was so difficult, and thank you so much for people that have a servant heart, people who brought us food for for my family to eat and who offered to do things for us, and people who encourage me. There's so many different gifts that God's gifted our church that impacted us. I received beautiful cards that we put up in our house to remind me every day that people were thinking about us and people believed wholeheartedly in God's work and healing power. And thank you to people who took time out of their day to take me to radiation um, appointments. Like, I'll be honest, driving downtown every day is rough. And for someone to offer to do that was just so such a blessing to me um that someone would do that for us. So thank you, church.
1: Lyra, thank you for your vulnerability, and I rejoice in the fact that you are in remission. I praise God for that, and I am truly sorry for the difficulties you and your family experienced this year. Now, looking at the time, we have about time for about two more people. So, if anyone wants to come up,
4: two more.
8: I'm Dale. My testimony is really trite compared to Lyra's and others that come before, but it's an answer to prayer. There's a story in the New Testament of a widow who lost a coin and was searching for it. I was using a spray gun at my house, and afterwards you have to clean it out. So you take it all apart, put all the pieces in this bin of soapy water, and uh, so I washed it all out, took all the pieces out, dried them off, it's all ready to go. And uh, what do you do with the soapy water? So. I opened the garage door and just took the soapy water and just flung it out into the alley. Gone. And then I put the pieces back together, and I was missing the tiny little plastic piece half the size of a fingernail that makes it all work. So you know, I've lost things before. Grid search in the garage, those of you from Chicago know that Chicago uh, alleys or a combination of wildlife mausoleum and history from the 60s. And so there's leaves, there's everything, looking through everything like carefully, every spot. I could not find this. It was 15 minutes. I looked. So I thought, I'm just going to have to throw my paint gun away. So I stopped. I prayed to say, Lord, help me find this little piece of plastic. And there it was, like right in front of me.
9: Good morning. Uh, I have two kinds of things to say. The first one is brief. The other one is a story of a miracle. Uh, The first one is that as the chairman of the leadership team, I am incredibly grateful for that team. Uh, we had a whole planning morning yesterday, trying to think about where God wants us to go in the future and how we want to shape our, our, uh, our year. What a fun, fun experience we had together. It was fun. Sean even said that. This was fun. Um, we sense that you all are praying for us and that um we're coming together as a team there was a time there were just two of us on the team and so we have five and we could use a couple more women on our team Uh, and that would and it's been a great team thank you uh that's that is an answer to prayer and appreciate your continued praying for us the second thing i want to talk about is something that's been happening over the last year lucy and i uh, moved into a large condo complex up on uh, Kedzie and Devon, 216 units, uh, very strong conservative Jewish population in the group, although it really is kind of a United Nations place. Um, Lucy got elected to the board of the condo association and asked if we could have handicap accessibility on the doors in the building. Building is 50 years old. And the condo association board said, no, that's too expensive. And that tipped off a whole series of conversations, protests, meetings, that led eventually to the removal of the executive board of that condo association. That all by itself was just stunning. People who work with these large boards say, this just never happens. It also led to the removal, the firing of the management company that had been siphoning off in a variety of ways tens of thousands of dollars from the unit. The reserve fund had been shorted $500,000. So Lucy became the treasurer of that committee. And then this fall, a new, a new committee, uh, a new group of people were voted in. It's led by a 26 year old um, uh, Jewish woman who is Orthodox. Um, Lucy and Devorah and Elaine pray for each other share scripture together, believe God has been involved in all of this miraculous work. Um, Even uh, by the end of summer, people started to talk to each other in the hallways, started to have conversations and started to encourage each other. The, The atmosphere and mood of the whole building is just radically different because God has been doing something. Financially, it's, we're encouraged um, getting things done, projects wise and without having to pay under the table stuff or, or hide the money. It's just been, it's been a miracle. So uh, God's involved in all of those kinds of things uh, and that matter to us and to matter to a whole bunch of people it's been really, truly uh, amazing kind of thing for us, and we're very grateful. And grateful to, 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 uh, to, be, to learn some things about our, our Jewish friends and neighbors and uh, to be involved in ways that we could not have imagined. We appreciate it. Thank you.
10: Jamalyn, this is Luke, and he lasted 22 minutes in nursery, so that's a big step for him. (laughs) But that's not why I'm up here. Um, I I too had the pleasure of being a part of the LT meeting yesterday and very grateful for for the team. Um, And thank you all again for your prayers and support. But um, that's also not why I'm up here. I wanted to take a moment and recognize God's faithfulness for our church this past year. And wanted to say I had the pleasure of writing the PRC update emails for the weekly prayer team. And CC and I got to do that together and really appreciated the opportunity to work with him on that. But um, I had the pleasure of saying to everybody, like, here are some updates, some of which were details, you know, that I knew and could share. And other times would be like, let's continue to cover them in prayer because we didn't know what was going on but God did. And so I wanted to say a couple things of thanks to everybody who served on the Pastoral Search Committee. Um, Thank you for all the hours you put in. Thank you for working together as a team. Thank you, most importantly, though, for listening to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Um, That was not easy, we know. And actually, we don't know. Like, there's only nine people here that know how hard that was but I do thank God for each of you and for how he used you to carry out a good work in our church Um, and then I want to thank everybody who was praying for them everybody who was doing Saturday morning prayer team to those who were getting emails and praying within your small groups those who weren't even on the emails just knew that it was important and kept praying for it like God heard you um, and he has been faithful, and he brought us through a season. And I'm so excited for what is ahead. Um, and lastly, wanted to thank all of us as a congregation, as a church family, for those that showed up for the candidating weekend, who voted, who prayed about it, especially who prayed about it ahead of time. I know this is a microphone. Um, so, and then thankful for Pastor X and his family, and excited to see how God uses him as, you know, leading newcom, but again, this is God's church. He has always been doing a good work here, and he will continue to do a good work here, so my hope and expectation, and I'm looking forward to in 2024, is that we um, have that posture of listening to what is next, of what God has next for us, because he's shown he's faithful, and he will continue to do so. Thank you.
11: Of that. Yes. I think if my daughters were here, they would be like, Mom, really? Um, thank you. So I'm only here to just give God all the honor and all the praise. And I hope that through our my testimony, it brings you closer to Him and realize that wherever you are, God is faithful and He is a living God. And a lot of the times we see something with our human eyes, but we really walk by faith. And my story is this year, last year in 2023, um, my work took me to California and I was happy when I got that project because I have a brother that lives there um, and he's always been fairly ill, especially after an amputation that he had about two years ago. And, um, but as soon as my plane arrived, uh, I noticed once, you know, airplane mode went off that I got all these like texts about um, he was in intensive care. And my heart stopped, you know, a zillion thoughts came, I have this massive project I need to do, I was going to be about an hour and a half away from where his hospital was, and for the first three or four days, I had my work commitment, and then drive to the airport, um, to the hospital. And what my eyes really saw was my brother dying. And talking to God, like I hadn't in a long time. Every time I went back to the hotel, and said, "I, hey, I know you have a purpose in this. Give me strength. Give me words of encouragement for his kids, for his wife." Um, Lord, be with me. And um, it's when you open your heart fully that he really shows up. And you realize you're not in this alone. It is not your strength. It is not your um, words. And I can tell you that he um, got When I left after 10 days, he was still hospitalized. My husband was able to fly to California and be with us too. And I kept calling my brothers. I come from a family of eight. So I kept telling my brothers, if you want to come and see Jose, come and see him now. And um, when I spoke with his kids on one-on-one, see where they were in their faith, Bring everyone together, and the one thing that God did for me when I was in the room, because when you go see someone that is very ill, sometimes you don't know the words to say encouragement. And I just remember grabbing my brother's hand, and my aunt started just singing praise songs that we did as children. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. And my brother would, you know, um, grab my hand, and so I knew he was listening we prayed. So I don't know um, where you might be if someone is sick, if you're going through a season where you see something and you want to see it changed, um, or if you're finding alone time with your extended family. Uh, My father always said, if you really want (sighs) to... talk to someone with an open heart about God, it's always in a prison setting or in a hospital setting. Um, they are more vulnerable. They used to call it like fertile soil. Um, and so if you were in that season of visiting someone sick or knowing, uh, someone in need, I can tell you that, um, God is present. He's a living word. And I normally, I'm always afraid to stumble. (laughs) So I'm not surprised I stumbled up here. But this is for all the glory of God. And this is just to remind you that he's a living God. My husband and I started coming here this summer. And the people that we've met, um, the people that have prayed for our situations have just been wonderful you guys are the foundation and this is without a lead pastor i can't imagine this coming year when we are going to have a lead pastor so i just had to take this time to say uh, all the praise be to god
4: i'm happy down the <laughs> there, 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 there. So, two years ago, right about this time, my friend Renee came to lead worship, and, uh, and we were in this space, and at that time, and I'm glad that you mentioned Ruth and Emily and Constance, because at that time, although Pastor Peter had left, I think most of us thought that we were doing okay, right? Uh, little did we know that the next year and a half would be hell, and it was, it was, for those of us who were really paying attention. And I remember my friend Renee, before she led and sang the goodness of God all my life you have been faithful, all my life you've been so good for every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. She said this, she said all things work together for the good of him who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. And then she said this, she prophesied this, I don't know how many people caught it I always go back and watch sermons and I encourage them to do this too, but she says, new community, God has not forgotten you. His goodness is chasing after you, and you will see his goodness. Little did we know what would happen in those months to come. But God saw us here at this time. So thank you, Jamie Lynn, and others. I think Tristan this morning, who testified to not just X being the new pastor, but this new season of new community. Because at some point, church, and I said this to folks last fall when we did our healing service, at some point, you have to dust your sandals off and keep it moving. We saw the work you to do. God has still called us to a work, individually and collectively as a church. Remember, all things work to for the good of them who are called according. To his purpose. So let us continue to encourage and pray for each other. Pray for our new pastor. Pray for this season. Amen.
1: Before I close this out in prayer, I want to thank everyone who came up to share for the vulnerability. <laughs> But now let me pray. Good and loving God, thank you for this time to encourage one another. Thank you for all of the prayer over the years. I mean, this church has existed for over 20 years, Lord, and you have been, like Cece just said, chasing after us with your goodness, Lord. You have been so faithful. You have never forgotten this church and you love it more than all of us do collectively that's felt, and I'm so excited for this next season and for Pastor X and all that he will bring and his family will bring to this church. And Lord, I pray over the stories that weren't told today. For those who didn't come up here but have a story about this last year, Lord, thank you for the ways you showed up in everyone's life in 2023, for all the ways you will show up this next year as well. Lord, I pray... Over this time, and I prayed that you keep showing up and that people feel your presence. I pray all this in your name. Amen.
4: Come on,